Hello, and welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. This show features conversations between diverse technology professionals discussing women in the industry, cutting edge innovations, the future of work, deeply technical topics, and the ways that we can all work together to make the world a more inclusive place. We hope you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, rate, and comment. Hi, I'm Elena Percival, CEO and co-founder of Women Who Code, a nonprofit that has grown to become the largest and most active community of technical women in the world. And I'm Joey Rosenberg, Chief Product Officer here at Women Who Code. And today we are thrilled to be celebrating 10 years of community with Women Who Code. Uh, this is such an exciting point in the organization's journey and in our movement. Elena, how does it feel to be celebrating 10 years? It's it's unbelievable to, to be at this point, to have this moment of reflection on really everything that we've accomplished over the past 10 years. This, this small community group that got started in the Bay Area, which was, you know, just this, this small community and we were women in the tech industry at this time when the world started talking about the importance of teaching girls to code and teaching women to code. But for those of us in the industry, we knew we were already coming up against bias, having to prove ourselves and being viewed as more junior than we actually were. So this, this voice, this amazing voice of teach women to code, teach girls to code, really couldn't be whole without elevating uh, the needs of the woman in the industry. And, and that's what Women Who Code has become. And where were you professionally? Can you talk a little bit about that when kind of this, this big dream came about? Uh, what were you doing at the time? And, and what did that transition feel like for you? Yeah. So Women Who Code um, came out of really my, for me, out of my own personal career struggles. Um, I had started off my career um, working in, in Germany uh, for a company called Puma. So I'm in the sort of traditional product uh, world. I went back and did an MBA, um, went to work for a small women's performance footwear company. And this is like the 2008 uh, crisis hit. And, um, you know, I, I move out to the Bay Area. And even though I'd had this strong career trajectory in traditional business, I was having a lot of trouble translating that to the tech industry. And I saw more and more that it was just absolutely critical that you have a technical background to be able to even be, um, you know, a leader or an executive as, as every industry was going through a digital transformation, um, whether it was finance, healthcare, shipping, media, um, all of these industries were, were becoming technology industries. And with women so underrepresented in the tech industry and so underrepresented in, in leadership, it just seemed very clear to me that that path needed to be bridged. And the 
fastest and most easiest way to do it was by supporting um, the talented, ambitious uh, women that were already in the industry so that they could succeed and they could become role models for women and girls who are going to enter later on. You talked a little bit about how this movement started as a community group in San Francisco. Uh, a couple of years later, you actually filed the paperwork to formalize the organization. What was that like? And why was that really important, uh, an important part of the Women Who Code journey? Yeah. So I think there was a, a moment where we had this amazing community group that almost felt like our little secret, but it became critical to form that nonprofit and, um, and to really begin expanding because we realized that women around the world deserve to have the support, the network, and the opportunities that Women Who Could was affording to us. And that has always been something that's been very key. One of the first cities that we expanded to is, was International Women Who Code is now in 134 countries. And so we've, we've really stayed um, committed to, um, to having a global focus and, and supporting women around the world on their, on their career journeys and technology. Yeah, it has just been amazing to watch this, this organization grow um, I remember when you and I first started talking about Women Who Code and you were kind of in the midst of that community space and thinking about filing. And it was it was such a, um, an honor to be watching this organization and, and movement develop. And at the time I was in the global business space and in the nonprofit space. Um, and I remember when you reached out to me and you were like, we're gonna hire our, our next full-time person. We really need a person to lead the community. And and, and bring in all of these skills. What do you think that um, job description would look like? And I remember working with you on it. And as I was kind of looking at the words on the page, I thought, wait, I, I want this job. I want to be part of this movement. This is actually the work that needs to happen right now today to make um, an incredible impact in this industry and really for the world because you know, tech shapes the world that we um, interact with every day. The way we're having this very conversation is happening because of technology. And if we don't have women um, in the decision-making space and in the creating space and the implementing phase and all of those different areas, we all lose out, right? And so I was really excited about the idea of what this could be. Uh, and I often think back about uh, to that time when, when the, that whole dream was just being formed and it, it was such an exciting um, place to, to come into um, the movement. What do you wish people knew about that, that CEO, that founder journey, especially in those first couple of years, when, when you look back to all of those um, kind of ideas being, being born and decisions being made, what do you wish people knew? Um, well, first, Joey, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I'd, I'd been talking to you for a while about women who could and had, had viewed you as a thought leader. And when I came to you that day to have that conversation, I was hoping that you would, you would realize that you were uh, the perfect person to, to join the journey. Um, <laughs> what a great tactic <laughs> for recruiting, by the way. <laughs> <Worked. laughs> um, yeah. And, um, you know, we've gotten to be part of this, this journey together, um, this, really bringing the organization from um, many different iterations. Honestly, it, it's just grown so quickly in so many different ways that it almost feels like we've gotten to 
you know, start a new startup every year and a half <laughs> um, because we really are, have the opportunity and are forced to reinvent ourselves as, as we, as we grow and as um, the, the needs of our members and the industry and the world have changed. Um, when I, when I think back to um, that, that co-founder um, or that, that journey, I, I just, um, I, I, I think it's the individual stories that I've gotten to hear about along the way um, that have gotten me to wake up or stay late or, you know, send that one more message or reach out that one more time. Um, it's, it's all of these stories like, um, you know, we had a, a Mexico City director who let me know in under one year, her salary had increased 200%. And um, one of uh, the first Atlanta directors inside of the box, exactly who you'd expect to be doing incredibly well in their career, um, but incredibly shy and practicing leadership in under a year went from, you know, appearing timid to introduce herself to, a, you know, a small intimate room um, to giving talks at standing, standing room only crowds. Um, you know, there was the woman who walked up to me at a, at a event that we did in, in partnership with Mikey and GitHub. And she let me know that she'd been part of our, our Python community and that she was now, um, a senior data scientist and was being flown across country to give talks and that she would not have found that path had it not been for women who code. So not only do we get to see these things happening in real time for these incredible high potential uh, individuals in our community, but then we get to see how they grow to become the most influential, most powerful um, you know, women in the industry. You know, those stories are amazing. And it makes me think about how important Applaud Her is, which is a really seemingly simple program um, avenue at Women Who Code. Uh, but it was one that was really important early on. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that concept was um, thought of and, and why it's really important uh, to have the Applaud Her um, in the industry and, and in our day-to-day -day practice? Yeah. So Applaud Her was just a practice that we started to kind of just celebrate the successes, um, the, the everyday career success that um, people uh, in our community were having. And the idea is just, it's a little bit more difficult for women to talk about those successes. It's a little bit more difficult for society to hear us do it. And so, you know, practicing it was really to overcome a deep, uh, cultural uh, barrier that, that women face. And I didn't realize actually how important it was until I was having that conversation and said just that to a senior director of engineering, or at the time I thought she was a director of engineering. And she said, you know what, Elena, I've been promoted to senior director and I've been embarrassed to update my LinkedIn profile. And my jaw just dropped because something that's so validated as you know, you have a contract, you have a title, you probably have a pay increase. All of these pieces about this career success are incredibly validated. And so if she in this circumstance feels challenged to celebrate that win, it means every single day we are 
contributing to a project or um, receiving a promotion or um, giving advice or helping someone out or um, doing our job well, that we aren't championing these things and we feel blocked from championing these things. And it actually is holding us back from our potential. And so that's when I realized how critical this seemingly um, kind of innocent and fun celebration actually was. Definitely. And when I think, you know, when I think back to our early days, um, some of the things that stand out for me is that we were dreaming really big. So even these really simple concepts, right? We were thinking about impact and, and the impact that we could make and kind of asking what if, what if more people could be involved in this movement? What if um, we could make real change in the, the big things, right? The big industry change that, that's needed. And also those, those day-to-day moments that really impact people's lives. And so I'd love to kind of reminisce with you just a little bit around some of those themes that stand out from early days. Um, so one was travel and meeting people. Uh, and I'd love to hear kind of some of the things that, that stand out for you around as, as you move, we moved around the world, seeing the, how very much the world needed women who code, what that felt like and, and what you observed and learned. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that opportunity to experience women who code in other cities and other parts of the world was just something that um, was in- incredibly meaningful and pivotal and um, learning from from our leaders around the world also has helped to make Women Who Code such a rich community. So the first thing that really stands out to me is that there was this like Women Who Code DNA that existed when we were in San Francisco, when we were in Atlanta, when we were in Taipei, when we were in Beijing, when we were in Bangalore, you know, whatever city that we were visiting, whatever network that we were visiting, it it felt like a Women Who Code event. It had that, that same Women Who Code DNA. And um, what I would hear from the community is they could be part of Women Who Code in their own city and then reach out to the Women Who Code community as they were traveling either for work or for fun or for conferences and have that exist and be just accepted and feel as though they belonged immediately. But then there was also this amazing thread where you, we would learn from, from our, our leaders around the world. And, you know, going back to the applaud her conversation, um, that was always something that we did kind of through the code review or through social media. And when we went to uh, visit the community in Delhi, they did it in person. And just that, you know, that clap where you said, hey, um, I've accomplished this this month. And it's it's hard to do that. We've just said it's hard for women to do it. It's hard for us to hear it and have your community clap for you. It just realized, like it just sunk in for me how, how amazing it felt and how amazing uh, of an impact uh, you could have just to celebrate these small wins. We are our Connect Conference, which, you know, we are seven years of Connect. Um, that was started by volunteers. Volunteers had a vision for, for a conference. And, and now this has become a 
a global theme uh, that we are putting on every single year. And we had people from 92 countries attend our most recent Connect conference. And so one, there's this, this thread, the similarity, but also this opportunity for growth and learning. Yeah, I 100% agree. I um, love when you mentioned the moment in Delhi, I was actually sitting here thinking about um, one of the early trips, maybe the first trip that we took as a team. We were at the time, I think a team of three. Um, and it was for me literally around the world. So I left my home in Atlanta. I met um, you all in I think not Berlin, somewhere in Germany. I don't remember where. Uh, we went to Bangalore where we relaunched uh, Bangalore with the support of VMware, which was amazing. Um, in fact, I think VMware supported us at every leg of that journey um, up to Delhi, over to Beijing, where we had um, leaders kind of coming in from different places, from Shanghai, from Hong Kong, and then on around to San Francisco and then up to Seattle. Uh, where we had that very first Connect conference and then back to Atlanta. So we literally circled the globe. And I think the, the thing that just stood out to me so strongly in every city and every place we stopped was that number one, it just felt like home. And I think that's what you're describing with that woman who code DNA, right? It felt like we belonged wherever we were. And I think that's something that women in tech are, are often, so often just missing, not having that, that you belong um, since in, your, in the, the day-to-day. -day. And what I found incredible about this community is it always felt like uh, you were at home and, and that you had someone that you could lean on that would support you and, and help you navigate whatever challenge it was you were facing um, that day. And I, that, that really stood out um, about our leaders around the world to me. Um, and the second thing that really stood out is just how much they cared. They, ca they still care every day. Um, they're making sure that this movement um, was coming to life then and, and continues to be sustained today. And that was the same in, in every city that we, um, we visited. Uh, and then that first Connect conference, so you mentioned that was a, led by volunteers, right? It was it was created by volunteers, that whole concept, uh, because they said, hey, this is something the world needs and we, we want to do it through Women Who Code. Um, what are some of the big moments that you remember from that conference uh, that were, were learning moments or things that, that stand out as highlights? Yeah. Um, some of the key things that kind of stand out to me are just the amazing community feel, but at a, at a bigger scale. So it was so much um, really put into to this one moment and just the phenomenal speakers. I remember uh, we had one speaker, uh, Tara Hernandez, who's now a member of Women Who Codes board. She gave her talk and it was so popular that, um, that people weren't able to get into the room. So she agreed to redo the talk uh, the next day in, in the, the main uh, uh, keynote hall. And it was again, incredibly well uh, attended. And also that this, this small growing community was able to get the support of, of, of big partners. You know, we had people flying in from all over the country and all over the world um, to be part of it, to speak at it, um, to, to support it. And so that was something that, that also just really stood out to me as, as an incredible, um, um, you know, 
game-changing moment uh, that that really is has shaped the direction that Women Who Code has taken since then. You know, it's it's really funny because when I think about those moments, I think about how big we were playing. I, like like you said, kind of su- almost surprised that we could make the things happen that that happened. And at the same time, behind the scenes, some of the, some things people like to ask me about is what it was, what was it really like? Like behind the scenes, the three of us were sharing a little hotel room and whatever hotel we could afford and, you know, like making, making whatever we could, could make work out of what I, what I like to say is tape and glue. We, We were just kind of stringing it together. And then of course, supported by this incredible volunteer, just force, um, but I think we always played big, no matter what was happening behind the scenes. I know there were, there was, there were long periods of time where it felt like sleep wasn't even on the, the agenda, uh, just trying to get things done and make things happen, uh, because this movement was so important. Um, but in that space, uh, you were able to activate some really big players. So I think about our, our board from early on, our partners from early on, these were really, um, influential leaders in the tech space with a lot of experience. What was that like? How, how did you put together that first board and start to get people to say yes to this, this work? Yeah. So for me, it was always incredibly clear that the work that we were doing was very important. From the time we started moving forward with the nonprofit, I have found it, you know, very easy to um, explain, you know, what, what, the need is, what the goal is, what role we are playing in that. And, um, you know, being positioned in, in the Bay Area um, and, you know, having having access to so many huge partners um, in that area. But I, I would love to kind of call out two particular, um, you know, women who brought huge founding partnerships to women who code, who and upon reflection, you know, they, they believed in this mission when we were playing big and, you know, like you said, uh, in the background, you know, a credibly small team sharing, sharing hotel rooms when needed. Like um, I slept on and, your couch when I would come to San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't um, glam life at all. <laughs> yeah. So the first one is Julie Elberfeld and um, she was a CIO at Capital One and Capital One um, just was really actually making a commitment to um, investing in inclusive communities and and speaking to that like I put myself on an airplane and flew to Richmond, Virginia to have lunch with her and this is you know uh, Elena on a dream and I, I met with her and I was just blown away by her by her, experience by her her history by her uh you know level and where um she was in her career and to me this woman was exactly who needs to be elevated as a role model because she you know was a, a game changer she was um creating such uh influence and had so much power and the world was only talking about you know Sheryl Sandberg, Marissa Mayer, Jenny Rometty and so there I it really hit me that there are so many um you know talented successful women like like this so I I talked to her and um you know at the end of that 
at that meeting, she said, you know what? You know, I, I actually have the decision-making power. We're in for two years. And that set us up for the success that we have come to. And then the, the second one is uh, Lily Chang, who is an executive at VMware. And she came and she said, you know what, I've, I've heard about this. Uh, she was just the most straightforward. I'm, I'm interested in supporting this community. And year after year, she has gotten the backing of her company. She's helped integrate, um, you know, VMware employees and initiatives with Women Who Code's mission and vision in profound and meaningful ways. One of the things that really stands out to me is that we have a partnership that's coming up on uh, finishing its goal. It's a three-year partnership to help retrain 15,000 women in India who've left their careers, mid-career, to be able to re-enter the workforce. We are pretty close to hitting that number at the three-year mark, and we know that we've already helped 2,000 women return to over 900 companies. And so this is creating real change, not only in the lives of these individuals, but at the industry level, because if we, and you know that partnership with VMware, if we weren't doing that, these women would be lost to the industry. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think about the power, gosh, it just, in her, all, hearing all of these stories, I can, I can see the faces behind a lot of this work. Um, I think about, again, our, our volunteer force is just so important and, and powerful if, if they just have the right support, right? Like the um, program that you're talking about, um, one of the big supporters and champions of that uh, have been, has been Shweta uh, Lakshman Rao, and she has been just an incredible voice out of Bangalore. Um, I also think about the powerhouses like Sheree Atchison, who's have really helped um, Women Who Code expand um, across the UK. Uh, and I think about those moments like that, like our board, and when I was sitting in Connect, the first one that, the second one, the first one that we had with Twitter, and we're, I'm sitting there and I'm surrounding by these people and I'm listening to these stories and I'm, I'm, it's kind of coming to the forefront of my mind of understanding of who these people are and what they're doing in the world. And I'm sitting there listening to stories from people like Regina Wallace-Jones um, and Lisa Calhoun. And, and it's just kind of all starting to click of like, wow, you, you are doing it. You're living this every day. You're shaping our world. And it's just incredible. Um, and I've, I've been continuously uh, amazed at the, the support and leadership uh, that industry leaders have, have really provided to women who code. Um, so amongst all of these successes, there are definitely some moments that we uh, learned from, and some people like to call those failures, uh, <laughs> that are learning moments. Um, how do you recover? What do you, how do you learn from mistakes and, and stumbling blocks and, and keep moving forward? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I, I say all the time, so I'm sure it's, it's not new to you, but maybe if anybody's tuning in, it's new to them is, um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. You will, and you have to make mistakes, how you recover, how you manage, how you handle, how you learn from your mistakes is actually the piece that's important because living life 
running a company, being a human without mistakes is not possible. And so one of my, my, my favorite uh, uh, phrases that comes from um, Kim Bennett on our, our team is uh, to move imperfectly forward. And so how do you recover? You learn you do make the mistakes, you own up to the mistakes, you map out or, um, you know, take the steps to, to learn, prevent, to, to, to make the changes that you need to make. Failure will happen. And if there are any co-founders listening, is there anything that you can think of that you would have just done differently um, if you could do it all again? Is there any moment in the founder journey um, or in, in, the ramp up space that you can think of? Um, I would say I would have brought in um, people support earlier. Um, one of the things that I didn't realize, and of course for, for internal and in the organization as well, but one thing that really clicked for me is, you know, we have 600 volunteers. So when you think of the size of our organization, actually we have a lot of people to support and the more you invest in your volunteers your people um your your advisors your board your community um you know having that that structure in place earlier is is actually what i would say is is critical to do, to do earlier yeah i think that's a really important pro tip for founders um, I think mine, when I look back, is, is very much related to having the right people infrastructure in place. Um, when I look back, I, I think you and I have talked a lot about mapping out women who code and how there was this like 1.0 and 2.0 and 3.0. We didn't know as we were going forward, but when you look back, it's very easy to see, right, when the organization changed. Um, and I think it was in our, our biggest, our earliest kind of staffing growth year, uh, we kept being as ambitious as we had been um, in the very early days when we were just getting things off the ground. And um, my pro tip for folks would be as you invest in your people, also to recognize that as you do that, um, you actually have to slow down a little bit. And it's hard for, if you're in that founding mindset, that go mindset, growth mindset, it's really hard to slow down and to know when to slow down a little bit. Um, luckily we have an amazing team and an amazing community. And so we are massive dream. Uh, we learned from along the way and, and iterated on, and we were able to kind of tweak and refine it, refine it and everything um, that needed to got across the line. So that was, that was a really exciting moment, but um I think it's hard to know. And even having gone through it, I'm not a hundred percent sure that there's a clear indicator of when to start that, that slowing down process. Um, but for, but for sure, I think it aligns with that investing in your people. It, and it's just about resetting uh, that mindset around, around people support. So it's been a really fun journey. We've talked about some of the big moments that have come out of it, like uh, our first conference, that first kind of world tour. Uh, we didn't call it that then, but I rem remember it fondly as a world tour. Um, what about ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange? So we did that twice. Uh, talk about that. What was that like when you got the message saying, hey, you can come do this and, and that whole experience?
Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.